is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, you know what? Another hot seat in the real estate market. The Wynn government last week had uh, imposed all sorts of new rules and regulations, 16 to be exact, and a few of them are obviously meant to cool the market. Are you feeling it? Can you feel the chill in the air in the real estate market? You know what? This week I didn't, and I think it's going to take a little while for this thing to settle in. So today I'm going to bring in a bunch of guests. A little bit later on in the hour, I'm going to have Ramona King in. She's a real estate expert and editor. Uh, I'm sure you've seen her article in Money Sense. And uh, I'm going to have Diane Usher join me. Uh, she's a former president of Treb and Aria. And um, Diane is going to be joining us and talking to us about the market and the implication of the win rules. And uh, But right now, my guest joining me is Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. And Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, Todd. How you doing? You know, always great to have you on, and I appreciate your time, Dave. The market, you know, all sorts of things for you and I to talk about uh, today, for sure. Um, last time we talked, the Wynn government had not implemented 16 rules and changes in the real estate world. Um, what do you think? Does any of it make sense to you? I mean, it might be a little, a little early, a little jump on the gun there. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't. You know, we're getting a lot of this discussion about Ontario's market is heated up because of these foreign buyers, you know, going from Vancouver and buying in Toronto and uh, on other places in Ontario. You and I both know that the real estate market was red hot in 2016 before the Vancouver government had imposed any foreign buyers tax out there. I'm sure it had a little piece of the, you know, I'm sure it did something, uh, included a little piece of the action, uh, helped out since ever since the end of last year, but uh, I think it's it's a little it's a little quick. I mean, let's think about this thought. How long were things going like that in Vancouver before finally the government made a move? And now all of a sudden the wind government within uh, five, six months of Vancouver making that move, they're now making the same move. It feels a little early. Yeah, and you know, Dave, one of the things that I thought that um, the Wynn government made a mistake on, and you know, you and I talked about it, the knee-jerk reaction that the BC government did, was they gave seven days before they implemented the tax. The Wynn government gave gave 24 hours. And, you know, I think that uh, that may have a bit of an adverse effect for a few people if some of the foreign buyers, if they're in the marketplace, might bail out on some deals that they were under. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't surprise me. I mean, we've seen what the Wynn government has been able to uh, do with uh, Hydro one um you know I, it seems like they're 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 more interested in getting press i think than they are in trying to actually really look at a problem analyze it and make a move on it. Well, yeah, I think I, I, I agree with you 100. percent And last week, I um, I had a lot of callers call into the show, and and you know one of the, one of the comments I thought got quite consistently was the fact that they think that this is just a political move to get votes, especially more the millennial vote, saying, "Hey, look look at me, I'm going to try to squash the real estate market so it's affordable to you." And yet, you know, one of the things that people have to look at is that fine, you squash the market, you're going to try to artificially correct it, and then you're going to hurt people that actually have equity that they're counting on for their future. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, w- without a doubt that it does appear to be politically motivated. Um, you know, again, I mean, I, I just look at the numbers like you and I go, well, wait a second, you know, out in BC, they had, you know, four or five years of record growth and then the tax was implemented. Ontario, you know, the wind government let let that let this market run for about five, six months and they've gone and jumped in. I mean, you know, some people would say, oh, well, they're being smart and getting at it early. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're doing this right before the spring-summer market. 
uh, you know, there, there's, there would have been a lot more information at play had they let the spring and summer market play out in Ontario and then decided to make their decision. Yep. So, Dave, we can we can bounce around on all her new rules and regulations, you know, rent control, things like that. Um, you know, you know, some of the things that she wants to do, create committees, you know, pay more people to to try to find out more information. I think it's going to kind of a, it's a very weak shotgun approach. Who knows what's going to work? But, you know, in, in the actual mortgage world, you know, some riveting news this week um, that has been happening. Maybe you can enlighten our listeners on the home trust situation. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Home Trust is, uh, without a doubt, the largest uh, B mortgage lender. So, aside, obviously, there's A mortgages, which are we know of as the major banks and some of the smaller institutions that give out really good rates. And then you have the B market, where, you know, if you have some credit impairments or maybe you have some income uh, provability issues, these B lenders are happy to lend to you. Uh, Home Trust, uh, many years, well, not many years ago, probably three years ago, had suffered uh, a pretty big um, issue with regards to fraudulent uh, documents and files with with a, with a, with a host of large uh, mortgage brokers that they were working with. It accounted for a very very large piece of their business, and in the end, it, it would appear, you know, pending obviously all these criminal charges that are out there, that uh, some of the head people there at Home Trust had tried to bury some of that very important information in the back of reports. And that's they're a publicly traded company, so that's that's not allowed. And so that's why we're seeing a criminal element and everything else. We've seen home trace, home trusts share price uh, on the stock market drop considerably. We've heard rumblings that they've taken out a two billion dollar loan. Um, so I mean, there's 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 definitely some talk. There's some smoke. Um, the idea is that some people are saying home trusts could be out. Some people are saying no, this is just a little blip. Home trusts will be fine. I think the dust will probably settle in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and we'll see where things are at. But it's it's big news for sure. I mean, if any anytime one of the biggest uh, or the biggest B lender in Canada is uh, experiencing some issues, uh, it's definitely something to take notice of. You know, for our listeners' sake, Dave, when, when we analyze this situation, I mean, based on their assets, though, they're still a strong company. I mean, they've, they've secured on, you know, good, solid assets. Um, they're not, they don't have major defaults that are happening. Right. So as a company, you know, I don't, I don't want our listeners to get the wrong impression that it's like, you know, abandoned ship, because quite frankly, it's still a pretty watertight ship, is it not? Yeah, I mean, Home Trust is, is really sound as far as their lending practices. I mean, they, they do operate and they have for many years been the lead horse in that B world. I think that they had some very uh, scrupulous mortgage brokers take advantage of them uh, many years ago or three, four years ago. And that's, you know, what's happening is it's starting to, you know, some of that information is coming about. We live in a very different world where information is spread very quickly and everybody's web of connectivity is larger than it was 10 years ago. So what happens is you have a bit of panic at play. You have people hearing this news and then what happens is they run and they either sell their stock or they take their money, uh, you know, their high interest savings away from home trust. And this is the wave that I think some companies, when these things happen, they have to deal with this and they have to take the onslaught and survive and come out the end. So I think that's what we're seeing. I think we're seeing a lot of panic. I think we're seeing a lot of information that is being widely shared and it's causing some people to certainly pull some money out. Uh, but sound, you know, as far as their model sound-wise, I mean, Home Trust has been a, the, the biggest B lender because they are the smartest B lender. Sure, they've got, they were taken advantage of by some, 
some scrupulous brokers, but all in all, their model is very sound. Yeah, and and you know it's interesting because again we're we're, we're talking about uh, you know where where the foul was uh, called was basically in 2014, and yet here we are 2017, three years later, and now they're starting to feel the ramifications of this mm-hmm. this, this situation. You're 100 percent right. I mean, it's to me it's old news. It's not something that happened yesterday. You and I both know this. This isn't an effect of anything that's going on in the market today. This is literally something that happened from 2014. For our listeners' sake, it's better to say this is an internal issue for home trust, not a market adjustment or, and and I, I hate to use the word bubble because you and I never agree with with the, the uh, yeah. analogy of bubble, but you know, some of these news reports are saying, yes, this might be the, the pin that pricks the bubble, sure. but you know, in, in all fairness, home trust doesn't own that many mortgages out there that it would have that much of an adverse effect, I think. I think it's more, again, this, the state of mind is now starting to change. And for our listeners, sake, it's they are still a secure uh, based asset company. It's again an internal problem, not an actual asset problem. That would be as accurate as you can get. I mean, it has nothing to do with the market conditions today. I think it just, I think the timing of you know how the market has been, the wind government's new rules, and then this home trust thing coming out. Um, I think the timing of it is pretty epic, uh, and that's why it's feeling like a bit of a snowball. But I, I really do believe, and you and I both know this, home trust's lending practices are very sound. Um, the way they lend is the reason why they became number one. So yeah. um, the, the idea and the goal and the hope is that they will weather this storm and we will continue to have them as an option in the mortgage world. No, that makes a lot of sense. So Dave, just a quick note. Um, you and I, I think we called it bang on back in November <laughs> when we said that we'll watch RBC and TD do a little bit of shaving. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about it. What's what's going on with the big, the big lenders? Well, it's the big spring and summer shave, as you and I have started to kind of know for the last three, four years. Um, interest rates, typically in the fixed rates, we see them kind of creep up a bit. At the in the October, November, December months when the business is not so hot. And then we have seen, obviously, when demand is up in the spring and summer market, we've seen the banks decide that they're all going to kind of fight for the business and they're going to start lowering their rates. So uh, you and I did correctly predict this, and uh, it's nice to do that. And uh, we are seeing, obviously, some rates coming down. We've seen some of the major banks kind of dropping. I mean, we saw a 0.05 reduction a while back, and then we've seen a 0.1 reduction by some of the lenders, and we're just starting to see that natural spring-summer kind of, you know, feast that the lenders will have where they're going to want to take a big chunk of that summer business. So uh, it is on the way down. We are seeing some of the fixed rates down. Not major movements by any by any stretch of the imagination, but we are definitely seeing the creep downward. And uh, the goal, I think, for every Canadian is that we can get the five-year fixed rates back into the 2.49, 2.39 category. I think that's a really solid you know, five-year rate. And obviously, we're seeing the variable still hovering in the low twos. We've even seen some high ones. Wow. So, I mean, as far as interest rates go for this spring and summer market, everything seems to be set up as far as rates rates are concerned. Yeah, excellent. Well, Dave, listen, we'll we'll stay in touch. Always a pleasure. Um, you know, make sure that uh, our listeners go to uh, butlermortgage.ca. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, or dave.butler at butlermortgages.com via email. Excellent. And, uh, we'll be happy to help any of your listeners out. Excellent. Thanks so much, Dave. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Todd. You too. All right. Have a great day. Folks, that was Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. And coming up after the break, I've got Diane Usher joining me. She is former TREB president and ARIA president. And she'll be coming up right after this. So stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Now, more of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. You know, one of the things I like to do every single week is bring in the professionals so they can give some input to what's going on. And because of so many changes in the market right now, lots of new rules and regulations, I thought I'd bring in uh, somebody that definitely knows the Toronto real estate market, the Ontario real estate market. She is former president of Toronto Real Estate Board and former president of the Ontario Real Estate Association. And it is uh, Diane Usher. She is also Senior Vice President at Royal Page Johnson & Daniel. And Diane, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Good afternoon. So thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, whenever I have guests on, you know, we normally kind of do a little bit of a banter back and forth about what's actually going on in the marketplace. But I, I got to tell you, the, the Wynn government, you know, they definitely last week put a shotgun approach to everything. Um, what's your take on the, the real estate market right now? And is this going to have much of an adverse effect on it? Well, the effect that it's going to have on it, it remains to be seen. Uh, what has occurred in the last few weeks, um, so before this announcement, is a tremendous uptick in listing inventory, which is what we've been waiting for. Uh, we've had a chronic shortage of supply for better part of a year now. Um, I believe last fall's uh, shortage was as a result of the uncertainty um, with the election uh, in the U- United States. Uh, so we thought sort of this spring's activity coming to market, this uh, last fall coming to market. Um, so we're now already seeing um, a, a bit of a slow in growth. Still lots of growth, however. So when we when we talk about inventory, you know, this is obviously one of the things that, you know, it was the feast and famine problem that we've been having, you know, a huge, huge demand, low supply. But are we starting just to feel a standard spring market? You know, uh, you've been in the industry for years, so have I. One of the things that we always saw that people would start putting their houses on the market as soon as, you know, the snow went away, we start working with a spring market, people looking for summer closings. Um, is, is this just a natural progression of the market or do you actually feel that people have finally said, okay, it's time to go? No, I feel it's a natural uh, progression in the market. Absolutely. You know, as I said, we've got a little bit of extra inventory, um, a surplus from the fall, but this is definitely much more natural. Um, I'm a firm believer in the natural forces should be prevailing in the market uh, as opposed to uh, government intervention. One of the things that, <laughs> and, and, and sorry, I have to chuckle when you say government in- intervention, you know, for, for years and years, and I know, I know you've been, again, president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, as well as the Ontario Real Estate Association, one of the things that you could obviously be able to watch from from a, a really good, well-educated vantage point is the fact that you know what the markets ha- have been doing for you know numerous years. Now we've got kind of a natural run-up. Most people are blaming the supply-demand issue, and yet now the government wants to turn around and intervene. And you know when they start talking about affordability, is it the government's job to make homes affordable? No, it's not the government's job to make um, homes more affordable. Once again, it's sort of a natural market. Uh, it is the government's job, however, to not impede um, process, not impede uh, building uh, of new properties, uh, helping um, increase the supply. You know, as I mentioned, we've got a chronic supply, um, a chronic shortage of homes. We're getting a little bit more now, uh, but we still have overall uh, a, a supply shortage. When we get a, a beef it up a little bit, bring to market uh, homes that are more affordable with an increase in supply, that's what will help uh, balance the market out more naturally. There's a lot of hardship for builders and developers uh, when getting permits to build 
low-rise to, to build um, multi-unit properties. There's a lot of disincentives. And notwithstanding uh, some of the relief um, that um, Ms. Wynn's government is, is offering, it's going to take years to um, build that inventory, particularly out in the West Donlands, et cetera, before that can ever uh, come to market. Yeah, and one of the things that, you know, instant reaction from the building world was the fact that the idea of rent control being introduced to all newer properties after 91, you know, a lot of the builders, if, if we we look back at the days of Bob Ray when rent control was first uh, put in place, all of a sudden the idea of building an apartment-titled property, which is deemed to be a rental property, um, just went by the wayside. Builders decided that they wanted to be able to realize profit. Then they started building condominiums because they could go to an end user. Now, we, you know, uh, for the last couple of years, builders started to see some you know, merit in re- starting to build rental properties again. And now with the rent control being put into place, a lot of them are saying, why shall we bother? Um, your take on rent control coming in. I totally agree with you. We are already hearing uh, builders, developers pulling up stakes and going like well into the uh, 905 as a result. While I agree that there uh, was a certain unfairness uh, in rent controls, um, you know, the, the buildings um, uh, older than 1991 um, uh, didn't have any, the, or sorry, did, and the ones after didn't. But to have it capped where it's capped is, is once again, it's, it's uh, an unintended consequences. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the the, the mandate coming out of the uh, provincial government was also to gain some votes, some popularity. Um, you know, I think it, again going back to a knee jerk reaction, we've had a couple of the uh, some of the professionals from the BC uh, area come on with us, and they've been talking about you know the overall effect uh, out in BC of some of these things that have been implemented, and yet BC is starting to uh, recover a little. And, you know, they thought that it would last a lot longer, this downturn, but we're actually seeing the BC market, you know, recover. Um, Diane, in, in your opinion, because, again, you know, you you, you, you specialize in real estate, do you think, um, and, and, and I'm asking for you to use your crystal ball, do you think we're going to see kind of like a stabilization for a little while and then it'll be back to business? You know, could we look at a six-month kind of layover right now where it might just kind of, you know, not go at the same, uh, you know, crazy pace? Yes, I, I do agree with that. I feel that uh, uh, growth will slow uh, a little bit uh, because of the, as I mentioned, the listing inventory. Secondly, um, the, we will still be growing, though. It just might not be a 33% increase. It'll be maybe a 10% increase. Instead of 10 offers on every other listing, it might only be five offers. The, Toronto is the economic engine of the entire country. Um, it will continue to be um, a, a go-to place for uh, people wanting to migrate uh, from other uh, neighboring jurisdictions, to people immigrate from other countries. Uh, Toronto has, has become a world-class city, in my view, uh, without even the world-class prices yet. So I think prices will slow, slow growth will slow a little bit. Um, however, we are, we're not going to, there's no bubble that's bursting. Uh, if I just may comment on the Vancouver situation as well, Vancouver, um, uh, you know, we seem to be following in um, the Vancouver's footsteps or BC's footsteps. Um, however, my colleagues out in the Vancouver area have indicated to me uh, just today and yesterday that their market is uh, right back up. The prices are right back up uh, to where they were a year ago now, and prices are uh, starting to increase again. And the Vancouver market, unlike Toronto, is a very cyclical market. 
uh, and it's uh, it has been from forever since I've been here for over 20 years now. Um, and it's also a market that is much smaller than ours. So the impact of foreign buyers, for example, will have a greater impact on that market than it will uh, in the uh, greater golden horseshoe that's um, been targeted for the foreign buyers. Excellent. So, Diane, I'm going to ask you just to hang on for a second. We're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the market from Vancouver to Toronto. So stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to the show. Joining me right now is Diane Usher, and she is Senior Vice President at Royal LePage Johnson & Daniel. She's also the former Treb and Aria President. And uh, Diane, just before the break, you know, you were, you were giving us some information from some of your colleagues out on the West Coast that Vancouver has actually uh, started to recover quite nicely and almost back to last year's values. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. Now, because, you know, we believe that perhaps the Wynn government was looking at the BC government's move and said, okay, let's emulate it. Let's see if we can cool off this market. But do you think that uh, the BC government thought it would be so short-lived? Because, again, they've now implemented vacancy taxes. They've turned around, put foreign buyer taxes in. Uh, One thing they did do for encouragement for first-time homebuyers was the fact that they had the interest-free loan at 5% of a purchase price that they implemented. But, you know, do do you think marketplaces like that expected such a quick turnaround? That's not unusual for the Vancouver market. Um, the, uh, you know, as I said, it's a cyclical market with or without any foreign buyer's tax. So my comment is, did the tax really have an impact on the market? And I don't really believe it, that it did. I think it just was a natural progression and the market's right back up again. Yeah, and, and you know, that's one of the things that we, we were kind of forecasting a downturn in the BC market back in around May before they put the foreign buyer tax right. in. And, you yeah. know, we started, watch, we started watching the number of multiple offers started to fade. We started seeing properties stay on the market a little bit longer, even though people were pushing the prices. But one right. of the things that we recognized, you know, just before was the, the I guess, the um, ineffectiveness of the actual data that was being utilized out in BC and they started you know they started going with a lower number of foreign buyers and then all of a sudden they said it went through the roof and so again knee-jerk reaction by provincial government to try to implement a tax to cool the market perhaps to you know gain votes because they have the upcoming vote uh, the upcoming election you know looking at the wind government here um, one of the things I did read from all of her reports was the fact that they lack so much information they keep saying that you know they've now trying to implement all of these these uh, you know rules and regulations and yet they don't have all the information this this to me doesn't make a lot of sense when you look at it i mean you're there living breathing real estate all the time are you hearing from your 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 realtors that you know it, it seems like a foreign buyer um you know market or is the fact that we just have enough canadians here in the toronto area that want to live somewhere that's exactly what we have a lot of canadians a lot of people from other countries wanting to live here um However, we don't see a tremendous number of foreign buyers, and there still is no data. There's also uh, little data or very conflicting data for vacant properties, therefore warranting a a vacancy tax. Um, I see the the pattern uh, for the the government right now being very similar to what's occurred in uh, British Columbia. No data. We can't um, uh, predict what's going to happen with the marketplace based on not knowing 
what uh, you know decisions being reached based on on quote unquote foreign buyers. Yeah, and you know, interestingly enough, you you had uh, you had alluded to this earlier that you know d- d- the Toronto area, Ontario area, is a world class marketplace. Finally, and you know we are recognized all over the world, and people want to live here. But you know, our brick and mortar price for so many years, I believe, was undervalued to the actual level that the city is. And so when we when we take a look at it, you know, some of the some of the areas that are now we start seeing prices come up. But when when some of these pr- properties were being bought up at a hundred dollars a square foot or one hundred fifty dollars a square foot for residential properties that was massively undervalued and now when we hear these big rises of marketplaces like for instance hamilton or oshawa some of the outlying areas um in 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 my opinion it's just the fact that you know the the people are finally recognizing the value here in these marketplaces and this should be a natural appreciation that's happening i couldn't agree with you more you know as i said a moment ago toronto is the uh economic engine of the the country so people do want to migrate here from other parts of of our country um and we've got a world-class school world-class universities world-class healthcare systems here people want to come to this city and now as you mentioned uh, uh, branching out throughout the whole Golden uh, Horseshoe area, Greater Golden Horseshoe area, and right on down into like Windsor, London. They're experiencing tremendous growth down there as well as a result. Yeah. Well, listen, Diane, it's been a real pleasure having you join us here at Simply Real Estate. It, uh, it was great talking to you, and hopefully we can stay in touch and have you come on maybe a little later in the year, and we'll keep an eye on the market together. Uh, Thank you very, very much for the opportunity, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Folks, that was Diane Usher. She is with, um, she's the Senior Vice President at Royal LePage Johnson & Daniel, and the former president of Treb & Aria. And now my next guest, as you know, uh, she is a real estate professional, uh, editor of a lot of different articles. You might have read some of them in Money Sense magazine, and it is Ramana King. And Ramana, welcome to the show. Thank you. Always a pleasure having you on, and and you know what? You and I have not talked over the last few weeks, but I would say, I would dare to say, has there been any developments since we last spoke? Well, right now there's lots to talk about. Is the mortgage, mortgage industry is stable? What's going to happen? You know, now that these new rules are being floated, so lots is happening in the Canadian real estate marketplace. Yeah. It's sort of like, where do we begin? I mean, the, yeah. the, the Wynn government last week implementing, you know, a 16-shot approach at the yeah. real estate market. You know, um, after analyzing it, I'd have to say there may be one or two that are valid, um, but a lot of it, it seems like a lot of hooey. And um, so maybe we can maybe we can weigh in, into that, and then we can talk about the Vancouver market. Foreign buyer tax. Um, does it make sense for Toronto? You and I have talked about this over, you know, over the last few months. Did, did it make sense for them to finally pull the trigger? Uh, I mean, the, there's a lack of data to prove. I mean, the same applied in Vancouver. There's a lack of data to prove that there was foreign buyers. I think the real issue that they're trying to tackle, and, and it's, it's like taking small bites out of a massive elephant, is they're trying to figure out how do we stop the speculators from driving up the prices, but without collapsing the market. Their approach is kind of like that big small bites out of a big elephant. Okay, we'll deal with it with foreign buyers. Okay, we'll deal with it with paper flippers. We'll deal with, you know, it's all these small little chips at a massive, a massive beast. And will it be effective? It'll be effective in slowing the market down. Yes. 
Why? Because people don't like uncertainty, and so they're going to pull out of the market. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's foreign buyers, but just people don't like uncertainty. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I thought that as well when, when listening to everything that was happening and then analyzing it. One of the things that I think people, uh, you know, have always had was the idea that if they put their house on the, for the, on the market, perhaps a foreign buyer is going to drive the price up. Now they think that if a foreign buyer is not going to come to the table, then my, I'm not going to get multiple offers on a home. Um, and and I'm not going to get that crazy price. Uh, just for, for an example, a friend of mine this past week had his house listed, uh, you know, foreign buyer taxes now in play, and yet he still was able to sell his house $200,000 over the asking price, some multiple offers, and he's in an area that everybody thought it was foreign buyers buying it, but it was just a couple from Toronto that ended up buying it. And that's what we don't realize is there's statistically the foreign buyers are a small segment of the market. So driving up all these prices, most of them are just buyers trying to either move on up or get in while the mortgage rates are really low in their forever home. So they're taking on these massive mortgages, but the idea they're going to pay it off in the 20 to 25 years and going to stay in that house. So with mortgage rates being so low, people are definitely driving in. They're not all foreign buyers. I think that what Vancouver experienced and what Toronto is going to experience is that the shift in political will causes uncertainty in a market. And when you've got Home buyers, speculators, and foreign buyers. So you've got a mixture of money coming in. It's going to stop some of those segments from coming in. And then you're going to get a bit of a frenzy from those segments that have been trying to get in. So some of those segments would be the foreign buyers and the speculators. The, the people that are rushing in are, are the, the regular buyers, and they're the majority of the market. Sure. Now, one of the things that uh, we've heard here um, is the fact that Vancouver is actually doing quite well. It seems like they're bouncing back. Um, Can you give us a bit of an update on what's happening out in your market there? Yeah, Vancouver is bouncing back. So there was a real fear, and and you could see the numbers take a a, a real sort of dive after uh, August of last year. And everyone thought, oh, it's definitely the foreign buyers, you know, leaving the market. And I think there's some truth to that. I think some of the foreign buyers speculator money left. I know that Seattle, almost to the day, started seeing a spike in their real estate. (laughs) So foreign buyer tax comes in. The next thing you know, the next day, Seattle's starting to boom, and there's a lot of activity down there. So there's some validity to the tax in trying to take out certain segments of the market. But they're small segments, and that's what we forget. You know, if they only make up 10% of the, the market, there's still 90% of the market shopping for a house. And with interest rates still so low, that 90% is now competing for less and less listings on the market. So it's still driving that price up. Yeah. So we're starting to see an uptick in Vancouver where re- the prices are going up despite the fact that there's less inventory and we have more regulations. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Listen, I'm going to ask you to hang on for a second. We're going to go sure. to a quick break, but when we come back, I'd like to talk more about about the Vancouver market, and then we'll bounce back to Toronto. So, uh, folks, I've got Romana King with me, and, you know, still with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to the show. If you're just tuning in, my guest now is Romana King. She is a real estate expert. She's out on the West Coast. You might have read a lot of her articles in the Money Sense magazine. She was senior editor there. And um, Romana, when you and I were talking just before the break, we were talking about the Vancouver market and how you're starting to see the bounce back. And the fact is, is that, you know, it wasn't as long-lived as perhaps the government might have wanted with that downturn in the prices. Detached homes still sit uh, on average with this sort of the average price here is about 1.2 and that's actually the HPI price which is 
a price that they've created that eliminates the, the outliers, the really low prices, the really high prices, and they come somewhere in the middle. And, and it's still 1.2, so it's still a very strong market uh, for people to assume that it's not. And quite honestly, year over year, um, we're up again. You know, it's a spring market, and that's what happens in a spring market. We have to remember there's microcycles within the larger cycle of real estate. And in those microcycles, you're going to see an uptick in, in housing activity and housing prices in that spring cycle, even if it's a suppressed market. Yeah, and, you know, the amazing thing that uh, we've been following, obviously, is mortgage rates. And, you know, just uh, TD and RBC, uh, they had, you know, artificially raised their rates themselves back in the fall. And yet now <laughs> we're starting to see them discount, as, you know, you and I both called it and and. Dave Butler that I had on earlier, you know, we all thought, hey, listen, you know what, they'll, they'll, they'll start bringing them back down again. They want to be competitive for the spring market. And that's exactly what we're seeing. You know, 10 basis points here, five basis points there, it starts adding up. And so as you, you keep mentioning, you know, there's an affordability in the marketplace. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure that we're going to see interest rates kind of stay pat for, for the year. What do you think? Yeah, there doesn't seem to be much movement. I, mean, I think the, you know, the only thing that could really impact interest rates and impact the economy is if there's an external force. So we saw this back in Auburn. It didn't impact interest rates, but it did impact the, the residential uh, housing market, where you had the collapse of oil prices, and that hurt the residential housing market in Alberta. Uh, but people were still buying if they had the money, because interest rates are so low, and they knew that this is part of a, a, a different economic cycle that impacts the housing. Same thing in Canada. If you see the BC lumber, you know, trade wars really heat up, you're going to see activity in the Vancouver market and the lower mainland and BC that's going to be impacted by that. But until interest rates, and that means mortgage rates start to go upwards, we're still going to see people buying. Why? Because it's so cheap. It is really cheap to buy a house. We were doing some numbers and we were seeing that if you bought a house for about, you know, you had a mortgage for about 100000 you know, 20 years ago, you'd be paying about the same interest as you do now on a $1.3 million home. So yeah, it's crazy. It really gives, that gives a perspective, right? Yeah, 100%. And, and you know, yeah. you, you, you touched on trade there. So, of course, Mr. Trump, um, you know, uh, making lots of news this week. You know, one minute he's scrapping NAFTA, next minute he's saying, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remain a partner with NAFTA. And then he's hopping on the both the dairy and the lumber uh, bandwagon, wanting to put on extra tariffs. Um, are, do, you, do you think that's going to have an adverse effect uh, out in the BC marketplace that much? Or are we going to be able to, you know, uh, escape this one? If he gets his way, I think it's a lot of political posturing. We have to remember he's definitely a boardroom guy and he knows how to do hard and soft negotiations. Um, and I think it's a lot of political posturing. He took a stance of like, let's look at this as if from a business perspective and we're going to, you know, put the kibosh on it and just eat the losses and uh, see if they're going to move a little bit on their stance. And we did move. We blinked. Right. And we've come to the table saying, yes, we'll renegotiate. We'll add. Perhaps we'll talk about adding things that weren't in the original NAFTA agreement, dairy and lumber. Um, so we blinked. He got his way. He got it to the boardroom table. Uh, it's a win for the Americans because he, he did get it on the table. Uh, it's a win for us in that we're not going to have a huge impact on our economy if we can actually come to an arrangement or an agreement where we can keep people employed in these industries, which keeps the economies moving in certain you know provinces within Canada, and that keeps all economies working well, including the housing economy. Yeah, you know, it, it, there, there's a lot of economies that are built in around all of this, and this is one of the things that I think that if our listeners understand that, you know, when you talk about lumber, it's just not the production of the lumber. It's what it feeds, and oh. and the housing industry, of course, is reliant on it, and so this is this is a big piece of it, of course. It's a massive beast. If you get a halt in, or the, the price of lumber goes up, 
everyone is impacted. You know, developers from all the way from residential to commercial to the small guy to homeowners. So it, it, there's a huge impact there, and, and that's why it's really important to be watching. You know, what is actually going on here because it really, if it impacts Vancouver, it doesn't mean that Vancouver is going to crash, but it does mean if you have less money on the table because people aren't working, and you have you know higher costs for building you're going to have more and more job losses and that will have a micro impact on on a certain segment of the market, a geographical segment of the market. Yeah. Exactly what we saw with oil in Alberta. Yeah. So then we're talking about building because the wind government throwing in the rent control, um, you know, the, the purpose-built uh, apartments may not be built in Toronto because the idea of rent control coming in, trying to control the market. I mean, we had Bob Ray step in into the shoes back in 91 and virtually overnight, everybody stopped building uh, apartments and start building condos because they want to become end users. What do you think? I mean, is this sensical for her to go after now this uh, this group? This is the, the big political dilemma of, of just about every government every couple of decades is how do you incentivize developers to stop building the very profitable multifamily complexes that they're building, so condos and townhomes and even, you know, subdivisions of single families. And they're very profitable and actually incentivize them to actually build rental units because they're just not as profitable. And so we've had a number of governments tackle it in different ways. The most notable one and the one that's in the press right now is, you know, the real government said, okay, we'll, we'll give you this incentive, which is we won't put a rent cap on your buildings if you build them. Well, that was an incentive for the developers to build them because then buyers were like, yeah, we're going to, we can, if we have no caps, then we know we can get market rate or better for our units. We can, we can definitely get our money back. Sure. So now the wind government is trying to figure out, well, how do we incentivize developers to actually build these less profitable and yet not constrain ourselves with this sort of rent control? So, Will there be unintended consequences? Absolutely. Will it have its, you know, impact right now? Probably some developers are going to see some advantage and, and, and on their, on their pocketbooks and say, yes, we'll build those rental units. We'll make the money right now. When will get her win, quite honestly, her political <laughs> win with, you know, people getting uh, rental units on the house. And then 10 years from now, we're going to actually see a, a difficulty or even 20 years from now, we're going to see a difficulty, uh, when people are caught up in, in this regulation that was unintended. We didn't ha- intend to have these consequences. Wynn doesn't care about that right now. Neither do the developers. No, and I think I think part of the, the, the political approach with her is always you know, oh, you know, do now, pay later. And, you know, we saw that with obviously the hydro, and now we're going to see this in the, you know, rent control uh, part of the real estate. Um, your opinion, do you think the government should be weighing in on any part of the real estate market? I mean, again, everybody, uh, you know, uh, last week running a, one of our live shows and we had so many callers coming in and they say, you know, mind your own business, stay out of our, our, our business, you know, because, you know, you and I both called the BC market uh, going down in May anyways, but then the government wanted to get in the middle of it. But we all we, we had already seen the numbers declining, so it was a natural effect to the market. You know, Toronto, if anything, you know, we started, even though the numbers were up, we started to actually see a little bit of that, you know, teeter-totter happening, and now all of a sudden the government says, no, but look at us, we made it happen. And that's just it. You've got political people with their own agenda trying to take credit for things that might just be happening naturally in the cycle. That doesn't mean I don't think, and and because I'm not a pure economist, and a pure economist would say, no, let the market speak for itself. It'll naturally balance itself out and we'll all be win-win for it. I'm not an economist. So I do think there are places where governments can interject. I often think this reactionary policymaking is not the place. I do think that there was some strong strategic um, positioning 
if you have two, three, four decades of policy that's in place and you've got a hodgepodge of different policy from different governments and from different associations and there's lots of loopholes, I think that's where government can come in and sort of smooth out to make it a level playing field. I, I absolutely agree that, that that's where the government can step in and, and be of good service. Sure. You don't get big political wins that way. No. <laughs> you, know? you get big political wins, you know, when Christy Clark came in and said, we're going to halt the market when the market was already softening and introduce a foreign buyer's tax and then consider that a political win. That's a political win for her. It's not necessarily helpful to the economy in BC or, or even, you know, the housing market or anyone else in BC. So is there room for government? Yes, but it has to take a strong, you know, leadership to really understand that you're not going to get a political win. It's just the right thing to do. It's close up those loopholes, make it up a level playing ground. These reactionary politics, I say step out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Crystal Ball from you, you know, I always ask you this, what do you think is going to happen with the Toronto market over the next few months? I think the same thing. We're, we're looking at a mirror image of Vancouver. I think you're going to get a softening. All these new regulations may cause uncertainty in the market and investors and people putting money in places don't like uncertainty. That, that doesn't just mean, you know, investors with speculative cash. That also means a homeowner. They want to understand what's actually happening in the market before they sink money into a market. So I think you're going to see some softening once the spring market uh, collapses, once it's, it ends. But I don't think it's going to be much. I think you're going to have a few months of sort of soft, let's see where, you know, the chips fall. And then it's going to just slowly tick upwards until we see that big economic impact or the rise of, of uh, mortgage rates. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, both you and I agree and most of the power to be interest rates are probably going to stay pat for a little while uh, lots of uncertainty i don't see the bank of canada doing a whole lot uh with them at this time so you know what it uh, it's always uh, awesome to talk to you and have you on and get your take on it because the market uh, never without something for you and i to talk about yes absolutely Todd. excellent so thanks so much romano always a pleasure Thank you, Todd. Take okay, care. Thank you. Folks, that was Ramana King. Always love having her on as a guest, and uh, it's a real pleasure. So, listen, um, you know what? Uh, three great guests this week. Uh, Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. You know, um, you know just for clarity, folks, uh, when, when companies like a home trust, when they have such bad press, it's not because of their asset base. It's more of an internal question that's being asked, and unfortunately, that sheds a lot of bad light on for people, and then they say, hey, Hey, listen, don't go near it. But at the end of the day, uh, very, very strong asset-based company. So, um, you know, yeah, I'll, everybody says buyer beware, but don't be that scared. And hopefully they uh, they rebound and they don't uh, don't have any more issues. Uh, Diane Usher joined us as well, former Treb and ARIA president. Awesome to have her on, get her take on it. And uh, Romana King, always a pleasure having her. By the way, I'd like to thank you for tuning in this week. Love doing the show and love that so many people are enjoying it and listening to us. And I'd like to thank everybody for coming to our uh, simple seminar this past Thursday. What a great showing at our new location, our new head office. Hope everybody enjoyed it and thank you so much for coming. And remember, our next simple seminar is coming up May 25th. Not very many spots left, so make sure you go to thesimpleinvestor.com today to register. I want to thank my producer, Ian Grant. He is always making it simple for me. And of course, I'll be back next week at 3 p.m. So, for all of us here at Simply Real I'm your host, Todd Z. Slater. Thanks for tuning in.